The raising of Lazarus from the dead is only found in the Gospel of John. So if you'll turn there with me this morning, John chapter 11, we'll follow the, the story in detail. In order to do that, there are 44 verses that deal with uh, this uh, miracle. And so in order to do that, we'll, we'll look at just the first half, verses 1 through 16 today, and Lord willing, next week, 17 through 40. The title of the message, A Grieving Family Learns to Trust. We've been talking about the encounters that Christ has with different people on Sunday mornings. And in this chapter, I wanted to be, uh, point out at least the theme of this chapter. Nine times uh, the Holy Spirit has moved the, the writer, John, to use the word believe. He tells his disciples that the death of Lazarus took place so that people would believe, that the disciples would believe. We see it there in chapter 11, verse 15. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. He has an exchange with Martha and asks if she believes, and that's, uh, that word shows up four times in the, that interaction between uh, verses 25 and 27. He tells her the result of her belief uh, is going to be for the glory of God. John 11:40. he said unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. When Jesus prayed just before calling Lazarus forth, he prayed so that people could hear him. It says in verse 42, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And many did. In verse 45, many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And then we see the chief priests and the Pharisees in verse 48, trying to keep the people from believing. If we let them alone, all, these, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So the word believe is an important word. It's an important word all the way through the New Testament. The word pastuo, to believe, or to have faith, or to trust, shows up in 220 verses at least. The lost man must believe in order to be saved. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's in, used in John 3.16 as well. So belief means to put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation. But to the saved person, we also need to believe. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so belief, faith, is something that you may have come to this morning. You say, I've never put my faith in Christ. He wants you to believe in him. Here it was the miracle that caused that, the glory of God that caused that. If you're here today and you're a, you're a Christian, you're a, call, call you a believer, and you have lacked faith and lacked trust in what God's doing in your life, then this, this message is, is all for, also for you. John 11 1 to 16, Mary, Martha, and the disciples will learn this important lesson, particularly that God can be trusted relative to how he times things. His timing is never late. These three lived in Bethany. Jesus knew and loved them. Lazarus became seriously ill. His sisters sent for Jesus to come, but he didn't come right away. And Lazarus died. Now we can read the whole story in less than five minutes. 
But Mary and Martha didn't know the end of the story like we do. And they went through this grief, this sorrow, this overwhelming, why didn't he come for four days? There are times in your life when you think God didn't do what you know he could do. And the way things look from your perspective, it's really too late for him to answer now. But Jesus knows the end from the beginning. He always does what is good. And as we watch the Lord interact with this family, we should learn with absolute certainty that God can be trusted. He always does what's right. Let's look at the need in verses 1 to 2. We have just a five-point outline, just simple one word, basically, for each point. But the need. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The chapter begins, now a certain man. Your Bible might have man in italics. It was added to help us understand the story. The Greek text reads, now a certain. Okay, So it's not just the men, it's for women, it's for children, it's for any who come. It's a phrase that's often used uh, in the introduction of the encounters that we've seen that Jesus has with different people. A certain man is used to uh, introduce the maniac of Gadara in Luke 8.27. The man that was helped by the good Samaritan, Luke 10.30. The paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, John 5.5. 5. The lame man Jesus heals in Acts 14.8. The story of your life might begin the same way. Now a certain a certain person. How will it end? What do we learn about this man in John 11? He was sick. The word uh, astaneo indicates physical weakness or disease. We don't know exactly what he had, but it was going to take his life. His name was Lazarus. He's only mentioned here and in chapter 12. Uh, he lived in Bethany. His sisters were Mary and Martha. And the text indicates that this particular Mary is the one who anointed Jesus with her, with her perfume. Uh, the Greek word is muron or myrrh and wiped his feet with her hair. And, and why, does, why does the scripture specify that? It hasn't really happened yet in the, in the chronology. But it's because that's what she was known by. This was something that, that made her uh, identifiable. And I, as I thought about that, I thought, what identifies me? What, are, what identifies you? What do people know about you? Well, there are six Marys in the New Testament, so this is the one. We know uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Um, that's the need. Let's look at the call, the call for help in verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So they sent for Jesus. They would have probably sent a runner or messenger with the news. It wasn't just so Jesus would be informed. Well, thank you for letting me know, but they wanted him to come and help. They based their request on Jesus' love for Lazarus. They said, he whom thou lovest is sick. The word there is, is not the word agape, but phileo. The, the, the one that you have this affection for, this brotherly love for, is sick. And so they asked him to come based on that affection. Jump now to point three. Moving quickly, aren't we? Verses four through six. The delay. When Jesus heard that, 
He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And we look at that and we say, that doesn't make sense. But it's the right thing to do, and God has a reason. His words, in verse 4, his sickness is not unto death. But Lazarus did die. What's the explanation there? Well, Jesus knew the end. The sickness didn't end in death because Lazarus was raised from the dead. It ended in God being glorified. And so that's what he's saying. It's the glory of God that's the result of belief. Uh, This is the theme that runs again through the chapter. The underlying reason seems to be uh, this this tragedy. Uh, Jesus will say to Martha in verse 40, I already mentioned that verse at the beginning, said not I unto thee that if thou didst believe or wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God. Now when did he say that to her? The text doesn't say. Uh, It does say that... uh, uh, he, he, in, that he gave this word probably to the messenger. So he, she, he probably brought that, that message here and uh, let her know what Jesus said. Well, he stayed where he was for two more days. Can you imagine what went through Mary and Martha's minds? Uh, why didn't he come? And they'll word that later, if only he had been there sooner. Um, Martha says it in John eleven twenty one to Christ, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And in uh, verse 32, Mary said the same thing, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. To them, it was a problem of time. But to Jesus, it was a problem of trust. And often in our lives, we'll look at it that way. I don't see how that can happen now. God's working too late. No, he's never late. Seldom early, they say, but never late. This delay is not because of a lack of love. It didn't mean that Jesus didn't care. In verse 5, we read that word. Now Jesus loved Martha Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and the, the love there is that word agape. The plea was based on your friendship for Lazarus. Please come. And he says, you know that I love you. I have this, this high Love, the self-sacrificial love for you. The delay was not because he didn't love these three. The delay was not because he was unaware of what had happened. We have the words in verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick. But you know, Jesus knew before the messenger came, because he's God. He knows everything. And he knows your circumstances before you even word a prayer to him. He, he, has, he, he knows exactly. Nothing takes him by surprise. So the delay wasn't because he didn't know about the problem. The delay was not for fear of the Jews. That's the reason the disciples thought maybe it's not a good idea to return at this time to Jerusalem. We'll come to, come to that in verse 8. But why the delay? The delay is specifically stated in Scripture was for the glory of God. Notice the last words in verse 4. For the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Thereby means that Jesus would be glorified when God is glorified. Why is that? Because they are one. It's a testimony to the deity of Christ. 
The delay will bring glory to God. It will bring glory to the Son, Jesus Christ. We come now to the plans, verses 7 through 10. Jesus announced that they were going to return to Judea. Verse 7, and after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Jesus gave their travel plans. He said, let's go to back to, to Judea. Uh, after that, it starts, after that, uh, after the two days mentioned in verse 6. And notice those plans included the disciples. Let us go into Judea. There are details in the passage that help us put a timeline together of what's going on here. Mary and Martha sent word that Lazarus was sick. Jesus and his disciples were in Bethabara on the other side of Jordan, about 25 miles away. It would have taken a messenger the whole day to get there to deliver that news. Then the disciples and Jesus waited for two days. It would have taken another full day for the disciples and Jesus to get back to Bethany. The messenger probably came after he delivered the message. Maybe he stayed the night and then left the next day. But in verse 39, Martha will say, he's been dead for four days. And if we put that timeline together, it helps us understand that by the time the messengers returned from the delivering the news, or the messenger, Lazarus was already dead. He probably died after the messenger left Bethany to fit the four-day time frame. Can you imagine now how Mary and Martha felt when they, when they heard the news? The messenger comes, he's all by himself. It's day number two, and now it's too late. Maybe they blamed themselves. Well, we should have sent the messenger sooner. Uh, the news they heard wasn't very encouraging. He's not coming. He said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Let me say it again, before we criticize their lack of faith, we know how the story ends. Mary and Martha didn't. To them, from all appearances, it looked like Jesus was wrong. And you may never vocalize that thought to anyone, but have you ever felt that God doesn't have your best interest in mind? That somehow this one slipped through? That he doesn't care? That he could have done something that you thought he should have done, but didn't. We would do well in those times to find truths in Scripture that are absolute truths about God. Psalm 105, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. The Lord is good. That's something that you need to write down. And remember, that will never change. God is always good. Also, God always works everything together for our good and for his glory. Romans 8.28, still in the Bible. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. They're indicators 
in that verse to show us that this verse is for believers. Paul said, we know. He includes himself with other Christians. And then he has those two phrases, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's showing for those who are believers. The advice from the disciples in verse 8, remember Jesus was taking them back with him. And they first say, Rabbi, Master, we respect you, we know who you are, and then we're going to begin our our argument with that. (laughs) Then they tell him something that he already knows as well as they do. They're they're throwing this out, okay, logically, we we all know this. And they tell him that the Jews of late sought to stone thee. Jesus said, healed the blind man on the Sabbath in chapter 9 of John. Uh, The Jews attempted to stone him. They were still uh, wanting to to kill him. John 10.31, they took up stones to stone him. John 10.39, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And so the disciples are bringing this up, and they're, they're really asking, do you really want to go there again? And goest thou thither again? And he didn't say, do we have to go? <laughs> Are you going there again? Watch how Jesus answered in verses 9 and 10. Jesus answered, Are there not yet twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. That is, talking about the, the light from the sun, the light we have to, to maneuver uh, around in the daylight. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because he has no light in him. So he's talking about two things. In the physical sense, man works, does his best work in the daylight hours when we can see what we're doing. Okay, that's practical. But Jesus is talking also about a light in him, within a person at the end of verse 10. And not having that causes the man to stumble. So he's not talking about physical stumbling, but spiritually. What is he saying here? Nothing can harm you outside of God's will when you're walking in the light of his guidance. You're always under the protection of an almighty God when you are in the center of his will. That's why it's crucial when things go wrong that we think are going wrong. Make sure that you're in the center of his will. That's the first thing he wants you to do. What about those who've given their lives for Christ and have faced martyrdom? Were they under the protection of God or not? Yes, they were. Absolutely. In January 8, 1956, five missionaries were killed by the Alka Indians. Did God withhold his protection from them? Was this just a horrible accident? (laughs) Listen to the wife of one of those men, Elizabeth Elliot. She wrote, the world called it a nightmare of tragedy. The world did not recognize the truth of the second clause of Jim Elliot's credo. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The safest place that you will ever be is in the center of God's will. Don't let the fear of man keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Last point, the misunderstanding. That is, the disciples' misunderstanding, verses 11 through 16. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. 
Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking the, of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, the word is bluntly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, or duplicity, uh, double-minded, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, the Lord's words in verse 11, it's interesting that he calls Lazarus our friend. Death will not separate you from the love of God. Lazarus may be on the other side of the grave, but Jesus still refers to him as our friend. The disciples were confused, verses 12 to 13. Well, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing, right? Because uh, sick people need rest. And uh, why should we even wake him? Well, let's let him rest. Um, the Lord's explanations in verses 14 and 15, he tells them Lazarus is dead. Then he said, I'm glad I wasn't there. Um, he, he was glad because he knew the outcome. He knew what would take place. It would be beneficial for the disciples, for your sakes. It would strengthen their faith. They're already followers of Christ. They're believers but to the intent that ye may believe. This would strengthen them in their faith. And God's delays are not to discourage us, but for our faith to be made even stronger. Thomas didn't get it. Verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, what did he mean by that? There had been different thoughts. Um, Edwin Blum in the Bible Knowledge Commentary says his words meant he was willing to die. So he's giving Thomas the benefit of the doubt, let's go die, you know. <laughs> William MacDonald in Believer's Bible Commentary says Thomas is being a pessimist. Well, let's go, we're all going to die anyway. <laughs> John Phillips says in those despairing words Thomas showed how little faith he really had. All he could see was the hostility of the Jews and their determination to get rid of Jesus. Well, God is never too late. You can trust him with his plan in your life on a day-to-day -day basis. You say, well, I, I want that to happen sooner. God knows best. I don't want to have to go through that. God knows best. I think it will affect the rest of my relationships with my family and other people. God knows best. His timing is always perfect. Corey Ten Boom and her family hid many Jews in their home to help them escape the Nazis and the Holocaust of World War II. They were arrested and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, she and her sister. In her book, The Hiding Place, she tells about the hope that she found in God while imprisoned at that camp. She wrote the following words, that remind us through the image of a tapestry being woven together, being created, that God can be trusted even when we don't understand, even when we're facing hardships and difficulties and things that we wonder, is God here? Is he in control? Does he care? She writes, my life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. 
Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Now till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly, will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why? The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. May God help us to trust his wisdom, to trust his timing in the way he works in our lives. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we are thankful for this passage of scripture that's here for our admonition, for our comfort, for our help. And I pray that we won't walk away from it realizing the importance of belief, of trust. Walk away with, with not a greater trust in you. Help us, Lord, to trust you more. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know where they're going when they die, that their, their eternity has not been uh, established by faith in Christ, that they've never been saved, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. And I pray that you would, with your Holy Spirit, work in their hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.